some days you're just not coping and it's re- and, in, and people need to talk about that because the biggest problem that the men especially men in today's society face is that we are taught to shut up we are taught to not talk about our feelings we're taught not to be weak not to show that we're suffering you know because that is that is weak that is not what men do and it's fucking garbage Hi guys, my name's Dane Peavy and this is Pushing Through Blue, a podcast sharing stories of people's lived mental health journeys and an effort to help you with yours. As always guys, I hope you guys are doing well and I appreciate you so much for being here. On this episode, I had the pleasure to speak with a very good man by the name of Tim. I've known Tim for a little while now, but only through following him on his social platforms. So this was the first time in having the opportunity to have a chat with him. Some of you may already know Tim as a friend. Maybe you're part of his online Twitch video game streaming community. Maybe you followed him on his socials like I have and connected with how real and transparent he is about his own life and common interests. For those of you who don't know Tim yet, well he's a father, a content creator, an online influencer. He's also a really good bloke who's passionate about sharing mental health awareness through his own lived experiences. Tim's also a massive Dragon Ball fan, which for any listeners who know me or have listened to the podcast a little while now know that I'm also a big Dragon Ball Z fan, so there is no way that I'm going to not have a chat with Tim and talk about Dragon Ball. So if you guys want to skip probably like the first six minutes of this episode, by all means, go for it. Because we do dive into Dragon Ball. And unless you're into Dragon Ball, then hey, dive on in. Enjoy. But after Tim and I weaved out for a little bit on Dragon Ball, we also spoke about his weight loss journey. And if you're not following Tim on socials and he's documenting his own weight loss journey, Tim's lost a massive 30 kilograms so far. That's huge. And he didn't get there by starving himself or undergoing any sort of extreme exercise routines. Nah but rather small changes he's made to his own lifestyle and daily routines. You know, eating better, eating less, moving more, small doable things that collectively have created such big changes within his life. We'll talk about why he decided to go on this weight loss journey and why he wanted to choose now in losing the weight that he's been carrying around for 20 years. We talk about how he's been doing it, how it's helped him on his both his physical health as well as his mental health and his own self-confidence. We talk about the scales and the mindset over those digits. The importance of running your own race when it comes to your own weight loss journey and not measuring your own success by comparing it to those of others. Understanding that the journey is full of ups and downs and there will be times where you'll most likely fall off the wagon. But don't be so hard on yourself and do not deprive yourself or punish yourself for that, but to accept it and keep moving forward, knowing that you're doing it for yourself, your own happiness and your own well-being. Now Tim and I share a lot of similarities outside of Dragon Ball Z. And along those similarities, we're both proud parents to young boys, and we talk about this in the episode, as well as our son's shared love for all things trains. My God, trains. Kids love them. Link loves them. Loves trains. Timmy talks openly about his breakup with his now ex-partner, his transition into becoming a single parent, the challenges he's had to face, and the darkness he's experienced as a result, but also what has given him the strength to keep going along the way, his incredible love towards his son and his new life. Tim's story about becoming a single parent is a very common one for both mums and dads. So if you do share a similar story, I hope that Tim's shared experiences offered in this episode provide you with hope and strength that you're not alone and that you can get through it and you will get through it and it does get better. I'm so grateful and appreciative for the opportunity to have a chat with Tim and for Tim to be so brave and honest with me in sharing his own lived experiences in the hope that it helps you with your own journey and experiences. 
Finally, guys, before we dive into the episode, really important, just a heads up. This episode does include conversations regarding mental illness and suicide ideation. Please take this into consideration before you listen to this episode and your own mental health. If you or someone you know needs support, please reach out and visit beyondblue.org.au or call their support service on 1300 22 4636. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please contact Triple Zero immediately or emergency services. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. I hope you get a lot of value out of it and uh, let us know. Enjoy. in the same generation we both watched it on via cheese tv i'd imagine yes oh uh, yeah before school yep is that do you remember do you remember how like when you first started watching it was it back in the um my my, my first introduction to dragon ball z was cheese tv because i never watched the original dragon ball series and and disclaimer i still haven't because i don't like dragon ball 100 uh, on the same yeah the same, so Dra- it's dragon ball z dragon ball super nothing else i don't like gt i don't like yes. I don't, yeah thank um, you thank you i you my my memories of dragon ball z cheese tv when i was younger was um uh my bus used to leave it used to pick i used to get picked up for school at 7 45 uh, like yep. from the bus stop i love this dragon ball yeah. z used to start at 7 30 yep. used to load my tape into the vcr on my old crt giant tube tv that i had in my bedroom i yep. would tape like i would start the tape recording i would watch the first 15 minutes i would run to the bus stop to get picked up and then i would come home from school rewind an entire two-hour tape back to where it was like where i had to leave for school and then watch the last 15 minutes of the episode that's like, so good yeah <laughs> I, I remember sharing a similar story like we had um we're like like i when i i remember when i first started like i think it was around about 10 10 when i first started watching it maybe a bit earlier but like, i remember that we had a friend it was like it's 7.30, so 7.30 it started. So we had to be like, I think it was like up into the freezer saga. Yeah. We had time. So we'd like literally watch it and then we'd run off to school afterwards. So we had a bit of time there. I remember like when uh, probably in the, the freezer saga, they moved the starting of school like half an hour. And so we had that one mate. It was a, you know, a brother of a friend that uh, wasn't working at the time. And like we just had, mate, Scott, you have one mission, mate. All you need to do is just record this every day. And <laughs> of it as well, mate. So we would like ride to school going like we wouldn't watch any of it. We'd come back and like it would be about six of us on bikes, you know, straight to our mate's house, you know, that's got the, the brother that's recorded it. We'd all sit there on the couches watching it every afternoon. Just and such it was, a like, great such show. Such great memories, man. Like, I just remember when Goku went Super Saiyan for the first time and it was just oh. like that moment was just like, holy fuck, what is happening? <laughs> it was oh. so good. So was good. Brilliant. That was so good. Favorite character? My favorite character uh, would have to be Gohan. But when he goes Super Saiyan, yeah, when he goes Super Saiyan 2 and he's like just no shit. Like absolutely serious? no bullshit. Yeah. I think I think you and I are kindred spirits. <laughs> My favorite character is Vegeta. Like mm. all the way through, I think Vegeta is the most developed. Like I think they invested the most in his yeah. character development. I understand they invested a lot into Gohan. I think, you know, Goku to a degree... And that can be debated between all of the fans in there out there. But I think um, my most favorite moment, and I played this back to back, was that cell. The cell yeah. when he turns Super Saiyan 2 and yeah. you know, cell smashes, crushes uh, Android 16's head. Yeah. And just, he know, loses it. Cool. My favorite part of that series is like just at the end um, when Vegeta oh, yeah, yeah, when, when Vegeta hits cell with the, with the um, big bang attack and it distracts him enough and Gohan just unleashes that final Kamehameha. That, that whole oh, scene yeah. where he's walking forward and there's like the angel voices and yeah. he just disintegrates cell. That is just 
magic iconic yeah, yeah, yeah. That <laughs> absolutely like, iconic there are so many moments in dragon ball z yeah like, and super all these one-liners yeah. And- yeah super is really good if you get past like, like when you get to like the tournament of power and it's like when they're fighting against all the universes amazing yeah, absolutely amazing yeah i love super a lot of people a lot of people like were on the fence about super but i, I loved it like i yeah. felt like watching that on anime lab like i don't know which day it was but like every thursday or whenever it was i felt like just a, a kid again a young yeah. kid again just watching this just like this is my time like kids are asleep let's go yeah, you know, yeah. sitting on the couch just just binged it, it consumed it, it. yeah <laughs> oh, it was so good is there a uh, favorite saga through the my favorite movie? saga is the android and cell sagas yeah, no. I didn't. I, I like the Boo Saga, but it was like, yeah, I just nothing beats the Android and Cell Sagas for me. I just the Android was good. Yeah, was yeah, good. absolutely. Like my favorite's the Saiyan Saga. I'm uh, not Saiyan, sorry, uh, Freezer Saga. Yeah. So Freezer Saga was my favorite, which causes like a lot of controversy because everyone's like, man, that is the most long drawn. Yeah, like there was rage. a lot of there was a lot of filler. There was a lot of yeah. filler in that saga. Absolutely, that, that gave so many people rage. But I think why I liked it so much was that it's probably a, from a character development and power level because I'm all about that power level. Yeah, like I loved as a kid, like going on to Google, whatever. I could yeah, and looking up the power levels. That, and looking up the yeah, power yeah, levels. Yeah, like, yeah. Level, like what levels you got to train to? How's he going to get to this? You know. Yeah, what, what what power was Freezer when he was in his third stage? You know, like just yeah, yeah. And then they just got like, and that's probably one of the biggest things I hated about GT was just like, you know, what power level? He's so strong, but you know, what, what, how big? You know, how strong? Yeah, ridiculous. His power like, level is two hundred and fifty bajillion trillion million. You'd be used to like what? Like, because I remember when you used to you'd look at like the Saiyan Saga and Goku's power level was like five thousand, and then. When you get to the Freezer Saga and he turns Super Saiyan, it's like 20 million and you're like, yeah. oh my God, who is assigning these numbers? Yeah, How are they yeah, working yeah. them out? <laughs> like, the the Kens and everything. Yeah, like that. yeah. Just like, I, I loved like one of the things that obviously being a big fan of Vegeta in that saga, like he came onto the planet, you know, at this power level and like he was just OP'd by all these characters that throughout his life were just absolutely like down thumbing him. Yeah. And just the ability to be like, I'm back. I'm yeah, back, yeah. I'm back. I'm back I've yeah. I've been through shit and now yeah. I've recovered through via whatever it is. Sensu Beam, no, because that was at the end, but he was in one of those capsules, I think. For a yeah, bit. yeah. Just to come back and just to absolutely destroy every one of these guys, even oh. the Guinea Force. We could talk, we could talk Dragon Ball Z until the no, end we of could. time, I <laughs> thought. <laughs> I guess segueing from Dragon Ball Z, one of the things that Dragon Ball Z did for me was got me into martial arts, got me mm. into fitness. And I think from that perspective, you know, looking at overall health, it did a huge thing for my quality of life, especially like going through high school. High school, I was like heavily, heavily got into martial arts and fitness and things like that. And that was a big part of, you know, Dragon Ball Z. Um, mm. So not only does it sort of sit in my heart with regards to nostalgia and friends and all gathering around that, but I owe a lot to the fitness side of things. And I guess what I want to have a chat with you today on a few things regards to mental health and life and, and overall things is that you're on a journey yourself with regards to uh, weight loss. And yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. because you It's a journey of ups and downs. I will tell you that. I will tell you that. Well, I mean, where, where should we start? When did I decide to make the... Um, change yes. i decided to make the change on the 27th of february 2019 the yep. day after i broke up with my ex-partner um yeah like i mean i've made my uh my breakup with my ex was pretty fucking awful if i'm honest mm. and um it's been you know like there was you know the last 12 12 15 months has been oh, it hasn't been great. Like there's been, there's been moments of awesomeness and then there's just been moments of just pure trash that I've gone through. Like when you have a really messy breakup that involves a kid, it can really, uh, yeah, you have your good and your bad days. But I remember that morning I woke up 
and I walked into my bathroom and there is a, uh, there's a photo of me on Instagram where I'm standing there looking into the mirror with my Batman boxer shorts on. And there's like this 150 kilogram guy just staring into a mirror. And mm. that was me sitting there looking at myself going, what the fuck? You know, like what, what have I done to myself? What have I accomplished in the last 10 years? Uh, or sorry, not what I've accomplished, but what have I let happen to me over the last 10 years? And, um, I've, I, I, I broke down. I sat down on the, the bathroom floor and I just fucking cried. Like I was like, I've just lost the person that I love. I've just, I'm looking, I'm staring down the barrel of having to moving out of my, out of my house. I'm 150 kilos. I'm unhappy. I know I'm so much better than this. And mm. I just, that was the watershed moment, which broke me. Like it, it just, and I feel that in every weight loss journey, there comes a time where you, you just really stop and you look at yourself and you go, fuck, I need to do this. Uh, I think, you know, like obviously when you look at Instagram and stuff like that, you see the glamorous side of weight loss and fitness and stuff like that. It's always like people in, you know, like really nice fitness gear and, you know, like abs and fucking muscles and all that shit. But behind that, there's generally a moment where that person just looked in the mirror and said, I'm so unhappy. I want to change. And it's those moments that, you know, lead us to where like on the beginning of that journey and, one of the things that I find is that a lot of people reach out to you when, when you have success with weight loss and I've had, like I lost 32 kilos and I've put back on five or six over the Christmas Easter isolation period because it just, you know, when you're not, when I'm not at work, I'm at home, gyms aren't open. It's, it's just been a tough time. There's been a lot of stress and you, you comfort eat. Like <laughs> you just, you no, just do. Yeah. 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 I yeah, absolutely do. And but a lot of people reach out to you and they say, oh, like, what have you done? You know, like, how did you do it? You know, like, how long did it take? And it's like, well, mate, it took a lot of discipline. It took this long, long a time. I did this. But that doesn't mean that's going to work for you. You know, like, you have to find, you have to have that moment yourself where you finally go, I am going to commit to this. And you stick to it and you do it. And it, like, I said on a, I did a, a recent interview with a really great guy named um ash and he he does a series of fat chats with the the man shake men who've who've lost you know weight because of the product they use and he, he asked me a question and i, I like uh, in regards to you know length of time and i said when you commit to losing weight it's not something you do in eight weeks you know it's a 12 month minimum commitment and you have to stay the course and it's not going to be roses from day one you are going to have a week where you go you know what i've eaten really good for a week and i haven't drunk soft drink and then you'll have a soft drink and you'll be like oh shit and you'll have a day where you might consume more than you you want to and it's that moment there where you go you know what that's cool that's fine i've done that let's keep going a lot of people think when they hit that moment that they failed their diet and they just need to stop you know and that 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 to me is the biggest problem you are going to have days where you fail like mm. that you've just got to accept that and not let it derail you from what you're trying to achieve and you know it is it's a 12 month minimum commitment where in the first couple of months you are going to have days where you just consume everything in front of you but it it will get easier you know you get used to your routine you get used to exercising and it becomes a hell of a lot easier and you feel so much better that's the biggest win is just how you feel physically um, I used to have chronic back pain, uh, lost 30 kilos. My back has never been better, you know, like range of movement, no pain, just, yeah. The, the quality of life improvement in that area alone was worth all that effort. Absolutely. 
Yeah, man, there's so many benefits and I'm so happy for you. And mm. I like, you hit the nail on the head. Like, I guess that moment, that epitome of like looking at yourself or those moments of this is it, I've got to make a change. Like, I think we've all had those moments, you know. Yeah. For me personally, it's usually like either triggered by two things. One, everything's getting tight. You know, mm. everything's getting tight with regards to like shirts and things like that. I'm like, it's pretty easy when like that wardrobe gets slimmer and slimmer to what you can wear. And, and I, I'm, I'm someone that throughout my life, you know, I've, with regards to weight loss, I've, I've bounced, I've been up and down. I'm a massive yo-yo, you know, I'll get to a yeah. point there where I'm, and that's why my wardrobe is like from medium to large to probably large that should be extra large, but I've got everything, you know, in through mm. this full cycle. And it's something that like, I'll get to a point where I'll just be like, ugh. You know, like yeah. at that space and then that's enough me. And in the past, I've been pretty good with regards to getting to that point and going, nah, because I guess for myself, what my biggest, I guess, weakness or disadvantage, not disadvantage, I guess the, the big thing for me is I get comfortable. Mm. And I think a lot of people get comfortable, you know, yeah. a lot of get people like for me, I'm like, well, you know, I go to, I go to work and I've got family, I've got other commitments and, you know, they're all priorities and, you know, I'll, I'll eat what I can. I'll eat when I can. I mean, like prior to going into isolation, you know, I had dad bod and, and then <laughs> going into, and then in isolation, I see these people, you know, working on their fitness, doing all these things. And, you know, like, I'm like, that's awesome, you know, but Whilst I did a little bit of fitness, you know, in the mornings doing, you know, some of these um, videos like on YouTube with, mm. with my wife and my kids, you know, the kids slowly dropped off and then we dropped off and then dad bod became iso bod. So now I've got like diso bod. <laughs> and you get, and you get to a point there where it's just like enough is enough. And I think mm. like even on the weekend, like I, you know, we were taking photos of stuff we do in the backyard and like I look back at those photos and I think for me, I'm like, oh, I'm there again. Like I knew I was there. You can feel it. You can feel yeah, it in yourself yeah. and you're comfortable when you're comfortable in your skin, you're comfortable in yourself, yeah, you yeah. know, you know, and it's just, it's just, what is the kicker for you? You know, what is it that you're driving force that makes you just go, no. Yeah. And, and you, your body, like your body is the best indicator of like, everyone's like, oh, look at that number on the scales or look at my body fat percentage. Like, mm. honestly, Health is about how you feel and it's about when you get to a point where, you know, you just, you feel right. Your body doesn't ache. You don't feel sore and tired all the time. You just feel like it's, it's your mood as well. Like it's just your body is the best indicator if, if you are on the right track or not. Yeah, it, it's it's like it's crazy how many people ask like when they see your comparison photos, they ask you like, what's the secret? And it's like, there's no fucking secret, man. It's just hard work. It's, it's work. discipline. Well, it's not even hard work. It's just discipline. It's just... It's just, it's just yeah. changing behaviors. Yeah. Things, yeah. You know? And changing little things like, I guess for myself, like, and the reason why I probably blew up in, in through isolation is that I'm at home. I've lost the routines that I was in. It was so easy for me to just be like, oh, I'm going to make a cup of tea. Oh, there's a biscuit there. Like all these little bits and pieces. And I probably, you know, wasn't exercising as much as I should. But like, I, I'm always mindful too. Like, I don't know how you measure success or you've got a goal in mind, but like, for me personally, and I think everyone's sort of got their own bit, like I'm I'm very anti-scales. Like I come from that sort of environment where like I fucking hate the scales. Mm. Like the scales sort of not only lie to me, but they're they're more so about like they're a biggest for me, they can be like a double-edged sword and a really like demotivator for me. Yeah. You get to a point there where you start losing weight and you're like, yeah, beauty. Like they're on the scales, I'm looking good yeah and then like depending on what sort of exercise you're doing you know people do like people might just do stick to cardio people might do like weight training as part of that and all of a sudden like you're losing you know body fat but then yeah yeah muscle tone and yeah then, and then you become so fixated on these digits and you really got to like ditch the digits so to speak mm. for me personally like if i'm looking for goals when i like lose a weight loss i always have the same thing it's always about like, I forget how the saying goes, but it's basically like reach, reach for the stars and land on the moon or something like that. I butchered yeah. the crap out of that. But the way where I'm getting at is 
I've got a pair of board shorts. Like for me, I had these board shorts when I was like, I don't know, 20. They're like these limited edition Metallica Billabong board shorts. I, I spent 90 bucks on them. My God, that was overs. I don't know why I spent $90 on them. <laughs> so like I've got these board shorts. I fitted into them when I was 20 years of age. Like it would take, I can't remember, like 30 or 32 or something or something like that. So anyway, like that's sort of my goal. My goal is that when I go on these journeys, like I'm like, I'm going to fit into those. Yeah. I never, I never reach that goal. It's always a great thing to aspire to. But I tell you what, when I, my biggest trophies is just fitting in those shirts or buying something for myself and like being able to go to the shops, you know, and buying shirts and stuff and, and being comfortable to do it. Yeah. Like not feeling like it's a big chore, not feeling like you, your range of choice is this big. You know, I think it's the, it's the biggest little trophies and wins for me personally. Yeah. Thank God. Like when you lose weight, it goes from the face first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Just the motivation of people to be yeah. like, what are you doing? You're looking good. You're yeah. Like, oh, that's good. You know, that's yeah. motivational. Let's keep going. Absolutely. I have noticed that too because that my weight that I've put back on in isolation seems to have gone straight to my face. Oh, really? But, yeah. See, the, it's interesting that you say that about the scales because I'm going to tell you my, my story is I weigh mm. myself every day. I weigh myself every day, mm. but I don't dis like if I, for me, it's strictly a guide. When I first decided that I was going to weigh myself every day, it was because I wanted to see... When I broke my weight loss goal and I was like, right, I want to be 105 kilos. I'm 150. I've got 45 to go. And everyone would have looked at that and said, like, you know, people make the mistake of going, I need to lose 40 kilos. It's day one. Let's go. It's like, no, you don't need to lose 40 kilos. You need to lose one. And then you need to lose another one. And then you need to lose another one. And as the, the magical quote goes, another one, another, like, it, that's... To me, that was how I measured my progress. And I know that the scales are not, you know, 100% accurate. I absolutely get that. But it was a way of me just seeing my progress incrementally happen. But if I went backwards, I didn't dismay about it. You know, like I would just be like, yeah, cool. Maybe I had a bit too much to eat yesterday. We'll change that today. Keep on That's going. Yeah, yeah. See, a lot of people are like, holy shit, I've gained 600 grams on the scales. I need yeah. to fucking just eat air today. And it, that's unhealthy. That is absolutely unhealthy. Definitely. definitely like it's, it's, it, for me, that is incredibly toxic. So Yeah, and I think like you're 100% right. Like it's just the mindset that you go into it. You know, a lot of people can look at the – a lot of people rely on on the scales. And by that, I mean like they're very analytical. You know, they're very like – they like to track it. They like to – it shows the progress. You know, and if you can take it as is and realize that there's other factors involved, if, you know, if the scales, you know, do go up, if it weight does, you know, sit there and plateaus for a little while, you might still be losing, you know, body fat and, you know, might be gaining muscle and a few other things, you know, and sometimes you just, you just plateau, yeah, you know, and, absolutely. and not to be, to get discouraged with that and just keep, just keep moving forward with your journey. Yeah. And I guess like in saying that, I wouldn't mind, tell us about how it is like, so you've gone from that point there where you're like, right. I need to make a change. I'm, I'm feeling, I've just got to make a change. I'm going to make a life change. I'm going to get, first point is I'm going to get myself fit and looking better and feeling better more yeah. importantly. So how did you, how did you do that? So I, um, and I know everyone's going to roll their eyes when they say this, but I did real meal replacement shakes. I did the man shake. Yep. And there was two reasons that I started the man shake. It was because one, it wasn't rammed down my fucking throat. Like this is the answer to your life. This is the answer to your problems. It wasn't. It was, hey guys, if you want to try this, Go right ahead. <laughs> you know, like that's the marketing for Manshake is really simple. It's it's not this is going to transform your life. It's this will help you transform your life. And that's that is the caveat that people of it, like on social media, people are always looking for a quick fix. They are always looking for that shred plan that gets them 
you know, ripped in six weeks. And like, they're like looking for these specially customized personal trainer diet plans, which are literally the same fucking plan everyone gets, but just with a different name on it. The man shake is just like, hey, if you use this once or twice a day alongside a healthy diet in with, you know, and still enjoy the foods you like in moderation and do a bit of exercise, you will see results. And that is what I think is absolutely genuine you know like there's too many products on the market that say you know they're just gonna cure your weight loss you know like you sit down on the couch and put your feet on this machine and it'll jiggle your legs and you'll lose yeah. 50 kilos you know like yeah. it's so disingenuous but and a lot of people a lot of fitness athletes they they really propagate that stare like that that whole disingenuous side of social media they really they feel it like you know skinny tees and cardio programs and all this garbage and it's nice to see products that come onto the market and say hey, you know like we are a meal replacement shape we are not the answer to your problem we are an aid to help you with your problem and also the other part that drew me to manshake is that one of the founders of the manshake adam mcdougall has done a lot of work when it comes to mental health and uh he's also worked with the mark hughes foundation and, and like it, it's, it's it was very focused on men's health and men's mm. mental health and there's a group that I'm actually a part of that's, you know, all manshake men, all, all users, mostly majority of the people in that chat, in that group would be men. And they talk openly about their mental health and their weight loss battles. And it is the most beautiful thing to see, because if there is one thing that I'm passionate about when it comes to men and mental health, it's fucking talking about your problems and being yeah, open so. about them. Yeah. hundred percent. It's a huge thing, huge yeah. thing. And I have, I've heard you talk about it. I've heard you talk about it on Ash's podcast. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of people talk about it. I've heard Ryan Betson talk about it as well. And, and, you know, Ryan's a perfect example, like yourself, who's used the band shake. And, you know, Ryan's sort of attitude was, you know, I'll give it a go, you know, may work for me. Not going in there with full high expectations. Yeah. He just you know, yeah. saw a few people that it was working for them, could incorporate it into his lifestyle. Yeah. To be honest, I think it was a way for him to save some money. I think he bought a chair. Absolutely. That yeah. he did it. So, yeah. But like, look at him now. Like, I don't know how many months he's been on to the journey, but he's lost 15 kilograms. Like, yep. You've lost a heap of weight as well. It's something that people can just incorporate it, in their life. Yeah, it worked so well for me because I am, I am a late sleeper in the morning. Like, I need, I need to be at work by like 20 to nine. Chances are, I'm not crawling out of bed until like eight o'clock. So, like, my breakfast is literally like if I even have breakfast, because sometimes I skip breakfast and I know people are going to be like, oh, you intermittently fast. And I'll be like, no, I just don't eat fucking breakfast. Uh, that's something that my favorite fitness guy, James Smith says all the time is, you know, it's not intermittent fasting. You're just skipping breakfast, you know, like let's call it what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, and it's just like, I'll get to work and I'll just be like, cool, water in a thing, add some powder, bang, food, you know, like, and that to me is just like that works for my lifestyle you know like yeah i'd love to be sitting in cafes and eating really nice cooked you know smashed avocado and eggs on toast like i'd love to be doing that but i just it's not how my time's like my timeline works and if i get home from from work and i've got a stream in an hour bang you know a man shake i don't have to worry about cooking food i don't have to worry about doing dishes it's just it's simple and easy and it fits into my life like it yeah i guess to, to add some context as well as well like you're not a, a big lover of exercise, you know, and obviously, as you said, you're, you're time poor, but you still do some things as well right, with regards to like walks and things like that. Yep. Um, yeah. Walk occasionally, lift weights in my shed, lift weights at the gym. Like I'm not cardio. Cardio sucks. Like cardio right. absolutely I, sucks. And I, I honestly, cardio, I don't want to run a marathon. You know, I don't want to. 
I don't want to be a triathlete. I feel like people who go to the gym and run for 50 minutes on a treadmill, that's their, that's what they want to do. They want to be that, that kind of fit person. I don't give a shit if I can't run around the block. Like to me, I would like to be, I'd like to be strong. Um, I'd like to be able to, uh, I'd like to be lean. I'd like to be just happy with my body, but I don't need to be able to run a marathon. That doesn't interest me. I don't want to go for 20 kilometer bike rides. That's, that's someone else's cup of tea and all power to them. Like, but for me, like going to the gym is about getting stronger, not about losing weight. And I think cardio, like cardio is everywhere in everything we do. Cardio is walking up the escalator instead of standing still, parking further away from the shopping center, you know, like just, just that, that is cardio, like uh, going, going for a walk instead of, you know, just sitting around on the couch. That, that to me is the cardio that you can do every day in your life that affects your weight loss journey easily. Yeah. And I think I've got like, from my own personal perspective, I've got this history of once again, yo-yo sort of thing. So once I hit that trigger, then I'm like, okay, I got to do something. In the past, I would smash exercise. I'd be like, all right, let's, you know, let's pull the finger out. Let's go for this. And like, to be honest, I do cardio. So like I'd set a goal and be like, right, let's go. Let's start doing runs. Cause like back in the day when I was doing martial arts and, you know, second thing that really helped me with regards to weight loss is, is running. Like a lot of the, a lot of my fond memories, you know, when I was on that journey and especially when I was like, when you like, so when, when you've got a fitness level of zero or negative one or however I'm at right now, when you break that barrier and it turns from this sucks, like, cause it's hard and my body's not used to it. I'm aching and I keep going back and I'm just getting, feel like I'm not making progress. But once you, you know, once you break that barrier, it sort of takes over. Like you mm. sort of feel like, fuck, I'm getting through this. It's getting easy. It's getting better. But over time, my body's changed, you know, like where I would have gone, like, you know, uh, 12 months ago, 12 to 18 months ago, I was f 45 and heavy. And I can't think of anything worse. It's a a huge community. I know. All all, all power to them as well. I just F45. I look at it and I just go, no. (laughs) That all the CrossFit, all the rest of it. Look, it was my way of just thrashing my body. It was my way of finding this intimate, like this, this balancing act between how can I get in there? It's 45 minutes. It's strict. You get in there, you smash yourself, you get out. I know if I go to the gym these days, I'm going to fluff around, you know, mm. I'll get in there, you know, probably do five, 10 minutes of gym. Unless I go with someone else that's really strict with me. I'm that type of personality now. Like maybe I'm getting old and lazy and so on or comfortable. Um, but like I get in there and unless I'm getting told, mate, get down and do this or, you know, do that. I'm like, okay. But like it got to a point there where, and I don't know whether it's a body change or you're getting older probably is, is that, like my body just wouldn't respond as it used to be. My mm. body wasn't losing the weight so quickly or it would gain the weight easily. You know, I'd work for whatever like effort I would put in to get the, the weight off. I would put the weight on very, very quickly Yeah, on back. And I guess the biggest thing that, you know, the biggest thing from coming that I had to stop and say, look, I need to watch what I eat because mm-hmm. really your diet and what you put into your body is like 80% of the work. And if yeah. you haven't got that pat down, you can thrash yourself. You yeah. Know? It's, it's and all, it's, yeah. It's all a calorie, a calorie deficit. That's a hundred percent what it is. Every diet is a calorie deficit. Uh, I feel like I'm quoting a lot of James Smith in this podcast, but I actually really like really enjoy his, his method of delivery when it comes to fitness advice. And, um, I just like, you know, for example, I like CrossFit. I think CrossFit is um, is very structured and I think it teaches you a lot of skills. Mm. Uh, I remember when I when I had a couple of personal training sessions a few months ago before gyms got shut down, my personal trainer said to me, he, she was like, what do you do? And I was like, oh, I come in, I do 10 minutes on the treadmill, five minutes of that running. I'll do like five minutes on the stationary bike. I'll do five minutes on the rower and then I'll go and lift weights. And she was like, why don't you just do 40 deadlifts? <laughs> 
And I was like, because that's not cardio. And she's like, I guarantee you will have more result from those 40 deadlifts than mm. you will have from that that 20 minutes on the on car of cardio. And I was just like, okay. And then I started doing deadlifts and I started with a low weight because I had no fucking idea what I was doing. Mm. And oh my God, I've never... I, like every session I would go home and I'd be like, my body cannot sustain <laughs> my body. Yeah, cannot, yeah, yeah, yeah. My body cannot do this anymore. Like, and, and yeah, I, uh, like, uh, I just thought to myself, I was like, shit, you know, I've spent six months doing that cardio at the gym, you know, cause I used to go two or three times a week, never regularly mm. when I could have saved that and probably done the deadlifts in those six months and probably have had more of an impact on my body mm. than doing that cardio. So I've, uh, yeah, I'm, it's not that I'm anti cardio. I just, I, I just think that people would place too much of an emphasis on it as a weight loss tool. When I, I th- yeah, I think everyone's different, man. Like mm. my knees aren't the same as they used to be. You know, my like I don't know. The body's changed. You know, like our and everything's different for anyone. I 100 agree with regards to the, like the working smart. You know, mm. like if there's a better way that I can do it and get the same goal or outcome that I'm after, if not better. Yeah. Like, and everyone's different too. Like with tailoring, like you've got a bad back, I've got a bad back. You yeah, know? yeah. I know there's exercises to to do it better. I think yeah. deadlifting is pretty sure is, is a good exercise. Yeah. Deadlift, deadlift, like deadlifting pretty much is one of the most engaging exercises mm. you can do when it comes to essentially engaging all the muscles in your body. Like I don't think there is an exercise you can do that actually like t- gets your body moving as much as deadlifts and it's why they've become so popular now. So yeah, that's awesome. Uh, look, I've got nothing against the man shake. I've been on it for the last, so I was on it for about two weeks just before uh, isolation. Then I just jumped off the bandwagon mm. just because I was at home and I got a creature of comfort around here and then ballooned again. And then I'm back onto it now. So I really, I really like it. Like for me personally, like it fits in with my routine. I get into work, I'm having one probably about 10 o'clock and then I'll go in and just have one in the afternoons and I'll just have dinner for me. Yeah, yeah. Like it's knowing about, I don't want to change the world with what I eat. I just want to try and be mindful of it. Like, yeah, okay, yeah. So I want to have a normal dinner, but what can I do? I just, for me, portion size is a big thing. I yeah. think it's a big thing for everyone. So you know you know it if you know it you know yeah I mean? so yeah, I, yeah i look at a plate and i'm like well i grew up in a household where i gotta eat everything on my plate i can take less off it you know yeah so you, you can look at a plate and know if you've got too much food on it absolutely yeah 100 yeah. <laughs> you know you are I'm and and the, that's the other thing as well is like the fear of carbs the fear of sugar the fear of everything yeah. like that there's a really great um instagram page called the fitness chef who does a lot of comparisons of um, different like foods, like, you know, uh, for example, like a, a bowl of nuts as compared to like a chocolate bar and how one is, you know, demonized and the other one is like the healthy choice, whereas the healthy choice is actually in terms of calorie intake and oil and all that is worse than the actual chocolate bar. It's a, I would 100% recommend people check that page out. It's yeah, very it eye-opening, good. yeah. Gives you some really like clear perspective. Yeah, yeah. I found there's like there's usually a lot of that when it comes to Easter or just after Easter, like you know, with those little Cadbury Cadbury uh, caramel caramello eggs, or whatever. Easter was like, a, oh, yeah. Do you realize like if you eat one of these, that's technically like all of these sort of things. You're like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Easter eggs. Oh, that was my undoing. Easter and Christmas oh, were. So oh, like, it is. Yeah. At the end of the day, you got to be real. Like, there's going to be times where you're going to enjoy yourself. You know. Yeah, like, yeah. Weekend. Enjoy like don't be that person unless you're going for like. I don't know. What are you doing? You're training for like a competition. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, everyone asks me, they're like, oh my God, you must have murdered yourself for the food that you ate. I fucking didn't, man. Like I, I I lost 32 kilos and the whole time I still had a can of Coke a day and pizza on the weekend. Like I 
I just I didn't murder myself for a for a clothing size, and that's why I feel like I had such a positive journey in that respect, and it's still a positive journey. Talking from a mental health perspective, I mean, like you know, we've talked about it on the podcast here how much you know you looking after your fitness and overall being, and that includes your physical, you know, self and looking mm. after that. Like how much that plays a role in your own mental health. Absolutely, so, yeah. I yeah. mean, asking you the question for yourself, you know, in this weight loss journey, what have been the big signs for yourself that has helped you on your own mental uh, health? I mean, definitely when you're overweight and, you know, like you're unhappy with yourself, it, it weighs you down. Like you, mm. you, I, I know for me personally, I would always just be like, oh, I'm too tired to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I, I can't do that. I don't feel up to that. No, I don't want to go to dinner with the family. No, I just want to stay at home. And I found myself like the unhappier I was with my, my body, the more I sort of was retracting into my shell. And that, that for me was just, not a great mental state to be in. I, I try to walk a really fine line between, like, I don't want people to think that being overweight automatically equals unhappiness because there are people in this world that are overweight, are obese, but they are some of the happiest people you will ever meet in your life. And that is fucking awesome. You know, mm. that if that's how they want to live their life, then I'm so happy for them. For me personally, I feel that the more weight I have on me, the less confident I feel about myself. And I do focus on it. And I'm a big believer that beauty is always like, you know, on the inside that what, mm. what is important about and what is attractive about someone is what is on their in on the inside, how, what their values are, if they have a kind heart and a kind soul. And I do think looks are secondary, but it's very foolish to think that your looks do not play a part in how you perceive yourself and how your mental state works. So for me, it was it did wonders for how i perceived myself it brought me out of my shell it allowed made me more confident with my content i i mean you can just look at pictures of of or like even you can look at clips from my old streams from years ago where i'd be all like hunched over and i'd be like trying to get the best angle with my camera now i don't really care you know like mm. i honestly i don't care i'm not the best looking guy in the universe but it's cool you know like i am who i am and i'm on my journey and all the power to me. Thank so, yeah. You. <laughs> I don't know. I think you've done a lot of work there. Oh, I had, I had a haircut today. So, yeah. <laughs> ah, thanks, mate. Looks good. No, I agree, mate. Like, I think the, the biggest thing for me, from obviously speaking about our own, you know, lived experiences and, and you know, our journeys um, as they are, like confidence. Confidence for oh, me is the big one. Yep. Like, I find that, like, when, you know, when you are feeling the way you are, when you are overweight and you're feeling sluggish and you're like overall your energy is completely low, you know, th that has a flow on, that mm. has a massive flow on. For mm. me, like, you know, confidence is the big one, you know, confidence in yourself, mental health and confidence yeah. is oh, huge. Yeah. See, you know? it's, it's very interesting because I will talk about my previous relationship. Like I, uh, my, my ex-partner, which she, she went through a like uh, there were a couple of years where she was deeply unhappy with her, her weight. And she, you know, like she, we were both overweight. We were both extreme. Like why well, I was, ex I was extremely overweight. She was overweight and she went on her health journey and lost 50 kilos as much as her and I might have, you know, some animosity in regards to the way we broke up. She looks the best she ever has in her life. And she is a naturally very pretty person, very, very attractive woman, but she she has no confidence when it comes to herself like it and it's 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 really like it's the flip side of the coin it's like she's one of these people who is you know like has worked her ass off and busted her gut off to get to where she is now but she still doesn't like herself or it's not that she doesn't like herself she just doesn't have any confidence in herself 
And it's very telling that like confidence is so attractive in a person, you know, like, whereas with me, I was overweight, but I still had a lot of confidence in myself. I've always been one of those people that like can talk to other people that can relate to other people that can, you know, start a conversation with a stranger. I always had that confidence and that, like that belief in myself that, you know what? Yeah. You know, like I was, I had something interesting to say no matter what mm. the conversation was. And, and yeah, like you completely right. Confidence is very important. And some people lose all that weight and still struggle with that confidence. So like, yeah, yeah weight loss is never an answer to your mental state and confidence. Like once again, it isn't like the man shake is it's an aid, you know, like it, it, the more you invest in yourself, the more confidence you're going to gain, the more, just the happier you will feel, you know, like it, it is, it's a two part series. You've got to work on your, on your body and you've got to work on your mental state. You can't just work on one and hope the other will fall into place. Yeah. And like, however that looks for you, you know, whether it's, mm. you know, meal supplements, whether it's just exercise, maybe it is cardio for you. Maybe it is, you know, weightlifting for you, however it is like, but mm. I guess at the end of the day, the, the bigger thing here is that you got to put in the work. You've yeah. got to change the yeah. way that you, the relationship that you have with food, the relationship yeah. that you have with yourself, your physical yeah. self and investing in yourself, you know, yeah. like investing in yourself is not just a mental thing. You know, it's a, it is a physical thing. And a lot of people do the physical side for their mental health. I feel, I feel like the most positive, the most positive, change that you can make is when you look at yourself in the mirror and a lot of people a lot of women a lot of men a lot of young impressionable people look in the mirror and they say what can i change and it's like no you should look in the mirror and you should be like you know what yeah i could change that but i'm fucking happy with who i am yeah you know like that is the missing ingredient from a lot of these these weight loss journeys is that people think that if i lose x amount of kilos i will look in the mirror and go yeah you look hot and like and it's sometimes it's just not the case like and a lot of the time it's not the case because they get stuck in that mentality of well i've changed this i need to change that i need to change how big my my, my leg muscles are i need to change how big my arms are i need to work on my shoulders it's like no just look at you in the in the mirror and see yourself and go you know what i am i am fucking awesome as who i am and i can improve you know like i can improve myself I think when you reach that point, that's when you're at the right plateau. You're at the right stage, you know, like yeah. you, you've found the the key. <laughs> that's that's yeah. my honest opinion. 100%. And don't yeah. get buying into like, you know, all this social media stuff, you know, like all these filters and all these people mm. just with these crazy bodies and things like that. I always just say, just run your own race. Whatever yeah. you're doing in life, just do it for you and run yeah. your own race. Yeah. You know, don't get distracted by what's happening on the left of you or the right of you. You know, yeah. just if you commit to doing something, know it's for you, yeah. knowing you're doing it for yourself and measure it on your own. Yeah. Like, I think people set like these unrealistic targets, you know, people want it now and, you know, mm. people are sort of like, and I get it like the, with the motivation and, it, and it's hard. Like the, the truth of the matter is that you'll get to a point where you'll, you'll like, fuck, like now I've, I've, I haven't lost enough weight or yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm dropping or I'm not getting the success that I'm seeing and things like that. You're going to see ups and downs, you know, that's all part of the journey. And like, yeah, yeah. sort of gone through that. But as long as you just keep pushing forward. When you get into that stage, when you just look in the mirror and you go, I'm happy with who I yeah. am, you know, like that is, I just, I think that is, that was the moment that I reached and I was like, you know what? I am happy with who I am as a person. I'm, I know I'm not perfect. I know I don't look like I'm off the cover of a fitness magazine, but I'm happy with who I am. And I know I can improve the person that's looking back at me. I think when you when you reach that moment, that is just ugh, I, I, for me. That's personally the ideal. That's the mm. that was the moment to me where I just went. I feel I feel good. I feel good yeah. about myself. 
Mate, one of the other things that I wanted to have a chat with you about, like you and I, we're both fathers. We've got young kids. How old's Henry? Uh, he is three this month, actually. So three in about three and a half weeks. So yeah. Man, I think you and my little boy, Lincoln, who's four, trains. Oh. Our kids are obsessed with trains. Yeah, yeah. What is it with trains? I, I don't know. My little boy just absolutely loves them. Like he he's Thomas obsessed. Like everything revolves around Thomas. Hundred <laughs> percent. Like my, I almost went ass up on a bloody Thomas the other morning. It was in the kitchen. I don't know about your place, but I got little Thomas, the little wooden ones and little metal ones. They're all over my yeah, place. He yeah. sits there on the ground just playing with them. He loves trains. Loves yeah. trains. Like his biggest thrill, and he's so devastated he can't do it now with isolation, but his biggest thrill is I just take him like jump on a train because I'm close to the trains. I travel into the city on the train. So usually like on a weekend, I'll get him on a train. We'll just go to the next shops. You know, he, he fucking loves it. Yeah, it's trains. the same with Henry. We just go and stand down at the train station, which is just around the corner from my house, and we just yeah. we just watch the trains go past, and I take photos of him and watching the trains because I just, I just love it. Like uh, uh, it's good practice for me as an amateur noob photographer and – he just loves watching the trains. Like it's, it makes him so happy. He gets so excited. Like we were standing on the bridge over the train tracks and we had three trains go past at one time and he lost his mind. Like he thought it was the greatest thing that had ever happened. <laughs> Even with like YouTube kids. So like for, for, for our kids, they usually, they love what they love four o'clock because four o'clock's screen time. Yeah. So like he jumps on YouTube kids and he's just got this obsession at the moment where he just watches trains, like real yeah, trains. Yeah. Just, yeah. People just make literally these these videos with 41 million views of just these real trains just going across. They go for about 20 minutes, and he loves them. Yeah, yeah, it's them. yeah, it's the same with Henry. Henry is exactly the same. Cannot Absolutely, get yeah. <laughs> and like as parents, one of the things that you've been very open about across social media, and I think you've definitely put it out there for others to hear and, and for yourself as well, is just about obviously you talked about your separation from your ex partner, and you now obviously being you know a single parent. And, and that transition there, like my first question, mate, how are you going and- How am I doing? Yeah, um, how are you doing, man? Well, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to mince words. It's fucking hard being a single parent. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a new challenge every day. The hardest part about it for me has been getting used to not seeing my son. I, I'm, I'm lucky that my ex-partner and I have come to a, a good agreement that we have 50-50 visitation. Well, well not visitation, but yeah, 50-50 to him. Uh, care and it's uh it, it's good because a lot of fathers don't have that to set the scene for me i didn't grow up without like with a dad um i uh my father left when my mum was pregnant he found out she was pregnant and he left um i was raised by my mum and my grandma i didn't have a great relationship with my mother because she was um a manic depression she had manic depression she was uh suffered from really awful anxiety and when I was older, she had a really bad alcohol problem. And I felt like I raised myself as essentially from the age of, what, 14? <laughs> I was yeah. pretty much, yeah, I became my own parent. Um, my grandma passed when I was 16. That kind of split my family because she was the linchpin that held everyone together. And uh, when she when she passed away, my whole family imploded. And oh, it was me and my mum. My mum didn't and I didn't have the greatest relationship. So that was, that was a... A stressful time in my in my life and then when i when i was uh, like finally old enough i just decided to leave i left the town of orange i lived in i moved to bathurst i just left all of that behind i still talk to my mum like we, we still we have a good relationship now but we didn't for a long time and um what age did you leave sorry uh, i left i left orange when i was probably about 19 so wow. okay. yeah moved to bathurst got a full-time job yeah and just uh 
worked there for a few uh like for a couple of years before i met met my ex-partner but um uh i'm sorry to hear that no it's uh, i mean like i didn't by any means like i mean okay look i'm not going to say i had a i had an, an easy upbringing but i there's people out there that have had much much worse so i'm not gonna you know like throw a pity party for myself like i just i didn't have that father figure growing up and that uh i think in a way that was a good thing because um i don't believe in toxic masculinity i don't believe in men not talking about their problems i don't believe in yeah essentially burying your feelings and pretending that everything's all right all the time so with my that's something i'm trying to impart that i want to impart on my son to talk about his problems but it also means that you know like when it comes to being a single father i'm open about it you know like it's fucking hard like i i some days have no idea what i'm doing and I'm always constantly thinking, shit, am I doing the wrong thing? Am I messing up this kid's life? And right, that, that <laughs> is not you. That is everybody. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Like, I'm yeah. three kids in, I'm still, where's the manual? Yeah. Like, every kid is yeah. different. But, mate, don't ever feel you're alone on that one. Yeah. And, and that's it. And, like, and I talk about that because I think men should talk about that. You know, I think people who have gone through breakups, um, there's such a stigma to stay quiet, never say anything bad about the ex-partner, which you shouldn't. And you shouldn't say things like bad things in front of your children. You you should be able to, you know, be able to talk down and have, like, well, sorry, sit down and have robust discussions with your ex-partner, but that should never take place in front of the child. I absolutely agree on that, 100%. But you also need to be able to talk about how you're feeling, you know, what challenges you're facing, how you're grieving, you know, if you, and sometimes you just not, some days you're just not coping and it's re- and, you, and people need to talk about that because the biggest problem that the men, especially men in today's society face is that we are taught to shut up. We are taught to not talk about our feelings. We're taught not to be weak, not to show that we're suffering, you know, because that is, that is weak. That is not what men do. And it's fucking garbage. You know, like that's the reason men kill themselves. That's the reason that contributes to men beating the shit out of their partners. It's because we don't talk about how we feel and we think that if we do, we're weak. And I am, I, and I just don't tolerate that shit. And I don't want that to come into my son's life. And, you know, like as much as, you know, being a single parent is hard, I feel like that those kind of morals and that kind of those values, if I can impart them onto my son, I feel like I will have at least done something right, you know? I think one of the things, like, with anything, you need to get perspective. And I think, like, for me, as a, <clears throat> my own experience, you know, whilst I'm married, I've got three kids, and whilst I haven't been on that journey that you've been, and I, I completely empathise that you don't know what you don't know. And I think your experience, like, to have that single parent arrangement with regards to you know, not having that emotional support, as much of that emotional support, that physical support, even that time support. Yeah. We're, like as parents, we're all doing the best we can. Do you know what I mean? And and I guess from my perspective, whilst I haven't been in that situation, like I come from talking about families. So like I, my mum and dad split up when I was 10. My sister was five. I look at it back now and, you know, I, I sort of look at it going, well, there was two options there, you know, hindsight, like I'm, I'm once again, I'm 34 taking this view, but I look at it that, if they would have stayed together, what sort of environment would we mm. continue to yep. live in? Yep. We would have lived in an environment where you had two people that didn't talk or didn't communicate properly. It was in a very toxic, negative environment, you know, and at the end of the day, I think that they made the right decision in doing what they're doing. Yep. I don't think that there's any sort of sweet time. I think a lot of people, 
you know, once again, this is just from my limited experience through my parents and, and me living in that sort of household. It's just that I feel like I can understand where people sort of look at it and having kids and say like, you know, is there a perfect time to do this? You know, yeah, yeah. We just shut up and, and live this way and be very... Nah, I, I, yeah, I think staying together for the kids is one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of parents make because they think that if they fracture the family unit that they'll damage their kids irreparably. But, you know, sometimes like I, I think it's more damaging for a child to live in a house where the parents don't talk or are constantly fighting. 100%. Um, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I'm, absolutely. I'm totally agreeance of that. And like, I remember coming out of that sort of, you know, family dynamic. It was hard on both of them. Like I look at it now, it was extremely hard on dad. It was extremely hard on mum. I think it was extremely hard on dad because dad was the type of personality, whether it wasn't a generational thing. Yeah. Dad's a very like strong, silent type, you know, never wants to talk about it. We take a moment to himself just to do what he needs to do. And then, and then just keep getting on with the job. Like he yeah. had that mentality to keep on with the job. And there was moments there, like I remember as a young kid and bred in my brain that it's really hit hard for him. And as kids, you know, we didn't know the sort of things that we were doing, you know, when we didn't know about favorism, we didn't know any of these things. We weren't educated to any of that. You know? mm. And I live with my dad and, and my sister lived with mum. And, and there's part of me that sort of really thinks about that because mum was, was a very toxic person, if, I've, if I'm being perfectly honest. And I feel like dad dad's sort of view on it was more about he was accepting you know yeah. he was he went through the emotions but he was also accepting of i'm at a point now where it is what it is and i'm creating this new life and the if i can accept it i know i can move forward yeah i know i can create that environment that i uh, i think is a health and healthy and safe yeah. and yeah. positive environment and dad once dad sort of accepted that and had that perspective as to this is what holidays looks like this is what time with my family looks like. And I think one of the big things for dad, and, and I think he'd be pretty upfront to say this, is that his perspective on like, I think he took, not, not that he took for granted the time that he had with us, but I think having the time thereafter, you know, after the, the split up, I think he was more appreciative of the time or I think he was more appreciative of just, you know, the, the time with the quality, with the kids, yeah, with yeah, us. Yeah. Um, but like the difference between dad accepting it and mum not accepting it for so long like it's almost like the fear you know she was feeding the fear almost, yeah, like, yeah with regards to not accepting it and i think that like it, it's hard but like i look at it now you know and i definitely think they made the right choice i mean like well, you know i know they made the right choice yeah so, um, see i mean that's it like i'll i'll if you if you you don't mind me getting really open right now i'll i'll set the scene for you with uh coming to that realization myself of you know it is what it is my my ex-partner and i separating was it It was the right decision it was absolutely the right decision um i fought tooth and nail to keep that relationship together for the sake of henry um and i did it to the detriment of my own mental health like i um i'm not going to go into specifics because that would be really disrespectful but i turned my eye to a lot of shit that I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have tolerated that. I shouldn't have allowed Well, not even allowed, but I should have said, you know what? I'm better than this. And I got to a point where I one night sat in my car and just went, I could, I could get, I could just do it. You know, I could speed up. I could go 150, you know, kilometers an hour and I could just aim for a tree, you know? And, and I thought about it. And I'm, I'm not proud to say that I almost did it. And I'm, I'm not ashamed of that either because mm. I don't, I'm not ashamed 
Uh, I don't think that's weak. I don't think... Um, I'm not ashamed that uh, of that I got to that point. I, I'm ashamed that I almost went through with it because, you know, like I'd, I would have de been depriving my little boy of his father and he would have just experienced the same cycle that I did, you know, like without a father in my life. But I... Suicide... Suicidal, a suicidal mindset is deafening because you might be surrounded by family and friends and everyone that loves you, a family, uh, you know, like a, a son. And but the, the, the doubt that just gnaws at your head like every day, am I, I have no worth. No one would care if I was gone. Nobody likes me. I'm not worth anything. It fucking gnaws at you and it's so loud it's so loud that it drowns out the rational thought it drowns out the fact that you have all those people around you that that care about you and, and love you and and that and i got to a point where i was just my mental state was so low that i just and that noise was so deafening and i was like fuck you know like i just i need i i have no play like i i had no self-worth i had no belief in myself i just and there was a night there where it all came to a head where I almost did it. And then I came home and I, I said to my ex-partner, you know, like, this is how I feel. And her reaction to that wasn't, it wasn't great. And I don't know if that was because she was scared and didn't know how to react herself and, and, and didn't know what to say. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't great. Like, and it, it, you know, it almost made the situation a lot worse. But I came back from that brink because I said to myself, like, I just, I, I said, Tim, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like you have, a f you have all these things going for you. And I know that the noise is so deafening, but you can work through it. Like you can get through it. You are better than this. And it wasn't too long after that, that my, my ex-partner and I separated and it was like, and yeah, you know, it was, it was scary as shit. I was starting a journey with a son a uh, single parent had to move out of my home and, and the home that I'd been in for 10 years, you know, regardless of which house we'd lived in, it was my home, my son's home. And it was, it was fucking terrifying. And I'm so glad that I had a community of people around me that essentially came to my rescue. I, I wasn't proud to have to ask strangers to help me financially. Like I, it's not something that I look back on and go, you know, that's a highlight of my life. Well, it's, it's a highlight in the fact that I, I got shown the power of community. I got shown the power of online gaming. But I, you know, it, it's not a moment that I look back on and go, you know, like, you know, shit, I needed the help of strangers to essentially put a roof over me and my son's head. And it was just working back from that mindset and approaching new challenges as a single, as a single father. I think in a way it gave me some purpose, you know, like it, it gave me uh, the most terrifying moment of my life was in fact, one of the biggest challenges I've been handed. And I thought, you know what, I can do this, you know, I can, I can meet this challenge head on and I'm going to give it my all. And I still think to this day that I'm trying, <laughs> that I'm doing my best and, you know, like trying to teach my son the right, like the right things and trying to, bring into this world, into this shitstorm of a chaotic world at the moment, a little boy who has a kind heart and a good soul and, and wants to have the same values and ideals that I have. Like, that's all I could ever ask for, really. Yeah.
Man, I appreciate you sharing that. And I think you should <clears throat> definitely far from it should be ashamed of that. I think it is, it is, it's, unfortunately, it's just a sad thing, but it is so common. It's so mm -hmm. common that this happens, you know, that the way that, you know, we get into this mindset. And I know from, from my own personal experiences talking about it, I know the toxicity in your mindset when you're mm -hmm. in that place, when you're that low and the self-doubt in yourself and self-worth and having those just thoughts and lies and the cloud that is mm. totally covering you at all yep. times yep. and feeling so alone and you, isolated. You and, can be in a room full of people. You can be standing yeah. in a room full of a hundred people and you will just feel like you are the only person there and you, there was, you are and all alone and, and, and none of those people in that room even know you exist. And it is so ludicrous half of the time because you know like those people are close to you and they're friends but they just don't know how you're feeling on the inside and and some people seem to think oh you have a good job and a loving partner and a, and a son like why the fuck are you feeling like that and it's like you know there's so many different extenuating circumstances it, it no one asks to feel like that sometimes you just fall into that and things that are happening in your private life can force you to feel that way against your will and it's yeah, like I said, I'm not ashamed. I'm I'm not ashamed that I thought of killing myself and ending my own life. I'm not ashamed of that, and no person that gets to that point should ever feel ashamed. Like it's the I I I'm 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 ashamed that I let myself get to that. I'm ashamed that I didn't realize what I had around me, and that I let those voices just like just drown out that like I said that that sound just drowned out and like everything around me that meant something to me. That's what. I feel ashamed at because, you know, like I, I just, yeah, uh, that I, I let myself get to that point. The hesitation to talk. Yeah. The hesitation to put up your hand yep. and saying, I'm having these feelings from, from fear <clears throat> of being stigmatized, from fear yep. of being, you know, <clears throat> labeled, for fear of being like, fuck, well, how can I help this person? I'm just going to completely avoid them. Like if, if I go up to someone and say, if I talk to someone and, and like, a work colleague or a friend you know like i feel like killing myself generally or i felt like killing myself generally the first reaction is like shit like fuck you know it, it's it's such a and i know obviously if someone comes to you and says i feel like ending my own life you know like it is a it's it's a shocking moment it is but the way some people react is like there's something wrong with you you know like mm. there's there's something you're broken you're defective like i need to sort of distance myself from you and 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 a lot of people just they're not they're not counselors they're not professional counselors but that that step should be as soon as like if someone comes to you like that you're like okay this is who you need to talk to i don't have the answers for you right now i'm here to listen to you like no. i don't have the advice to fix your life you need to talk to these people straight away you know like you need to call this number you need to talk to lifeline you need to organize a doctor's appointment you know it's uh it's there's such a heavy stigma around suicide and it's it's why so many people and and specifically men die alone it's because they're too afraid to come out and say to a world that thinks there's something wrong with them that i feel this way 100 percent, and it's so so sad i think a lot of people take on the approach that they need to know the answers they need to have you know the wisdom that then and now to just come up with the solutions, come up with, you know, the perfect speech or something to help this person. It's not, it's yeah. most of the time you've, you've got two ears and one mouth and, you know, you, we got to start, we got to stop talking and we got to start listening to people because the power in listening and to listening to someone is saying like, mate, it's so hard for me to, to fully understand what you're going through, but I, I want to listen and mm. I want to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if I can't help you, I want to be able to be there 
for you to get help. Yeah, and, and it's and sometimes it's even that act of listening that just makes the world of difference because you, like you said, like I said, you, you don't have to have the answers. You don't have to have a solution to someone's problem. It's just being able to listen to them and saying, you know what, I hope you feel a bit better getting that off your chest. Mm. Now you need to talk to these people, you know, or you need to talk, like make an appointment. Uh, I think a lot of people are like, oh shit, if I say the wrong thing, this person's going to kill themselves. It's like, I don't think that's the case, but I don't think there's any harm in listening either and saying, you know what, you can vent to me, you can talk to me. I'm going to make sure to get pointed in the right direction or get in contact with the people that you I'm not a professional. I don't have your answers, but I can help put you on the right track. I think that's something that we can all do that doesn't will help us sleep better at night. So <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Like we're all here and we all want to take the time. We'd rather we'd rather take as much time to listen to someone, to be genuinely there, to be present with that person, no distractions, just be there for that person to listen. Like I've been in a situation where I just the power in the power in just talking, you know, from someone that is just so clouded in here and it creates such snowball effects with small thoughts turn into big thoughts turn into things things that you think are massive massive problems things that you think about yourself and and when you start verbalizing it however you want to do it whether you're writing in a journal with you verbalizing it it's these big things become so small when you get into perspective that they it looks so overwhelming and these lies that you tell yourself aren't you just break it down and yeah. for someone to just give you that perspective like yeah. I'm such a big believer, and that's from my own experiences and, and what I create and things in my own headspace is that when you get that perspective, like things start to don't look as fearful as yeah, they yeah. are. Yeah. When once you start doing that, you know, whether it's anxiety, you know, whether you're going through depression, that self-doubt created through anxiety or any sort of other elements, getting that perspective is just fucking so big you know and just being able to be in a safe place for someone that genuinely cares and i think that's the biggest thing that i could say from my own experiences is that you know if you have someone that genuinely cares you know that just wants to sit and listen and don't expect that they've got all the answers yeah yeah it's my thing but just someone that you can just open up to without judgment you know in a safe place that you know they're just at the end of the day if they can listen it's such a fucking huge thing yeah 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 absolutely and and there's, there's a double edge that's like we need to teach people how to be able to respond in that situation and we need mm-hmm. to teach people that they can they, they shouldn't feel ashamed to open up. That's the two areas that I think we need to work on when it comes to mental health is like Are You Okay Day is a, is a really great initiative, but the problem is that a lot of people aren't trained for what comes next. You know, like when you ask someone, are you okay? And they say, oh, well, I'm not. This is what's happening. Some people are like, holy shit, I didn't actually think you were going to tell me you aren't doing okay. But I think we just need to be able to, you know, teach people that if someone comes to you and says, I am struggling, that you say, all right, not a problem at all. Let's talk. I'm happy to listen to what's going on. I don't have the answers for you. I'm not going to give you advice, but I'm going to put you in contact with the people that can help you, you know, and just give them, yeah, you know, like that. I think we need to teach that acceptance. It's okay to reach out for help. It's okay to call beyond the lifeline, you know. Certainly if you're in a situation where someone (laughs) is in crisis, you know, triple O. But- I think there's there's such a negative stigma, like talking to a therapist, talking to your GP, like having these conversations. It's yeah. fucking not. Like yeah. if you need to talk to someone, if so, if something is disabling you, if something is hindering your quality of life and has been doing so for a period of time, and you just like you just don't know, just reach out. Yeah, like, if you're going to talk to someone, see your GP. I did it. You know, like GP was a big one for me yep. and it led me on to seeing a therapist. Yeah. Counselors and therapists and psychologists don't, wouldn't fucking exist if there wasn't an issue in the first place. It's not weak 
to ask for help from those people or to speak to those people. It's probably the best thing you can do. I've had so much one-on-one counseling in the last 12 months. It's, it's insane. Like, and I feel like if I hadn't had that, like I said, I probably wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now. Sometimes life just puts shit upon shit upon shit on you. And sometimes yeah. we just need someone to help us decipher it. And I think the big part of it, like my biggest one of these learning curves with doing this podcast as well, is that something that I never really did for a long time. And it's looking after my own mental health and creating the resilience to things because life is life, <clears> right? Yeah. At the end of the day, let's be real. You're going to have shit times. Right? There's going to be something that happens to you, whether you, whether you're a person that has a relationship breakup, has someone pass away in your life, something happens. You know, we're, we are all going to experience some you know, trauma within our lives at yeah. different degrees. I just think it's just a matter of being able to have that resilience to, you know, work on yourself and your own mental health and how you take that on, you know, yeah. and the fact that how you approach that and how you can move forward from thereafter, I want you to validate how you're feeling, you know, validate what's going through at yeah. that point in time, but know that you're going to, you're going to get through this. You know? yeah. yeah. And it's something that I've sort of been learning. You know, it's, I think it's a journey that we will just have to continue to invest in, you know, in ourselves. And yeah. So for yourself, I guess with everything that you've gone through in this journey so far, I know you mentioned that you're both in a happier place now. Overall, are you at a point there now where you are comfortable and know that it was the right thing that you did? Oh, yeah. I, I know it was the right thing that was that like her and I separating was the right thing to, like to do. I, I completely understand that. There's still a little bit of anger and animosity there because of the way we, we separated. You know, honestly, I that is probably going to be around for years. The, the difference is that I've learnt to try and deal with that a lot better than I used to. Like I still get angry at times and that anger, you know, sometimes manifests verbally but it's a lot better than it used to be like i i used to just absolutely like walk around my house and rant and rave and scream and i would i would just fuel my own anger but you know like i've done a lot of work to bring that under like to to work on that and realize you know i'm allowed to be angry i'm allowed to feel that anger i'm allowed to process that anger i just have mm. to do it in a constructive way yeah, I'm like looking at emotional outlets here as well is that I know you're very deep into video games mm-hmm. and I know one of the things that you like to do in your pastime when, you know, just as a bit of an outlet for yourself is is streaming. Yeah, so yeah. Like, I consider you as a content creator. I think you document your life as much as you're, you know, open to do so and you're very open. You help a lot of people out in doing that as well on social media and you do that through streaming. And, yeah, um, yeah. and I think one of the big things that I see with yourself is that I feel like you put this a lot of work into creating that positivity within these communities. And as you mentioned, you know, telling about your stories about surrounding yourself, creating these communities of really positive, like-minded people. You know, yeah. I mean, is- yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because in the current climate, there's a, like I said before, there's a lot of, there's a lot of animosity left versus right. It's hard to find positivity sometimes, but I think it's, it's nice to bring together communities of people that have opposing views who can talk about those views respectively. That's the mm. thing. that I'm happy for people to come into my stream and want to debate me on things as long as they do it respectively. You know, like shutting down conversation is just like not the answer unless it's things that are really like, like for example, I, I, I don't agree with racism whatsoever. I don't agree with homophobia. I don't tolerate that shit in my chat. But I also think that we need to have a discussion with people about why they feel that way. It's very easy to label people as right or left wing. It's it's easy to just write off an entire subsection of society because they don't have the same views as we do. But at the end of the day, f- 
freedom of speech is freedom to have an opinion and freedom to have a certain view. And, and, and as much as we might dislike people's opinions and as much as we might dislike the way people go about things sometimes, that is what apparently a free society allows us to do. We're seeing over in the United States what happens when you take someone's freedom away or rights and freedoms and push them into the gutter over a prolonged period of time. Like we are seeing that happening at the moment in the United States. And it's it's devastating because people are crying out saying, we are tired of what's happening to us. And people are saying, you know, like you haven't had it that bad. And it's a, it, it, to me, I look at that and I go, that is just an argument that, that is never going to end until it comes to a hu- either a huge climax or we somehow find the answer to racism. And I personally believe that racism is, a, is something that needs to be addressed from the top and the bottom. You and I were talking about this before the podcast as well. It's just about just that education. Yeah, you know, yeah. Something that's been ingrained in culture and generations, you know, just need to be needs to be re-educated. Just yeah. like you know, we're talking here today about mental health. A lot of the reason why people don't have that understanding or react in certain ways to these conversations is just yeah. the education around it. We've lost the ability to ask people why they're afraid mm. and to address, like to debate those reasons, those fears, those those stereotypes like we've really lost the ability to do that over the years and it's a shame we see that in everyday debates about practically every issue there's it's either you're on one side or the other there's never a sensible center um Mm. that's disappeared and i and i think that's a shame um because i was always brought up to approach things logically and to see the whys behind things like instead of someone said to you i need you to go do this you know just be like okay can I'll, i'll do it but can you explain to me why you want me to do that yeah. And I think we've forgotten how to say to people, well, how come you feel that way? Why? Let's talk about why you feel that way. Um, and yeah, so like through through video gaming, I've tried to create a positive community where people are respectful and polite to each other. And yeah, we have differences of opinions. Like I've got a mod in my chat who, you know, he, he's been around for three and a half years and him and I have differences on opinions all the time, but I still have a huge amount of respect for him. And I have people in, in my, uh, you know, friend circle that, they, you know, have very, very different outlooks on certain things in life, but we talk about it respectfully. We don't, we're not at each other's throat. And I think that that is what I want to promote. That is the cornerstone of what I want to see. And, you know, mental health and, and speaking about your problems and talking about things is a big cornerstone of that as well. There's this mentality that a lot of streamers have that if someone comes into their chat and says, I'm suffering mentally, they're like, well, that's not my problem, man. You need to, you know, I'm not a fucking counselor. Don't bring that shit near me. Like, whereas with me, if someone comes into my chat and says, I'm struggling with something, I'm like, okay, man, talk to me about it. And mm, we'll talk mm. and they'll type and I'll, I'll respond. And then I'll, and then my mod will say, here's some of the people that you can contact, yeah, you know, like, awesome. yeah. Like, and I think that does, I can't obviously stop someone who's typing to me on a keyboard or on a phone. If they're going to hurt themselves, like, I can't stop that from my position. Like I can't sitting in a chair in front of a camera playing video games. I can't stop them from making that decision. But maybe by them just talking to me and just letting out what's bothering them and just being open, maybe that might change their mind. And if that does that, then that makes me incredibly happy, you know, like that I've given someone that outlet. For someone (coughs) you having that open community and for someone to reach out and do that, for me, I, I think that's a cry for help. I've talked to a number of people in this podcast that have had suicidal ideations that have been down this route that are contemplating taking their life. And the consensus that they've had is very similar to yours. 
not proceeding with it, making a phone call to a friend, you know, reaching out to someone, you know, just in that moment, just yeah, as a cry yeah. for help has saved their life, you know, yeah. and they are so grateful for doing that. In the hindsight, you know, they're looking at it, you know, a day, two days, however long it takes, you know, in the future, and they're sitting there going, I was at a really low point. I was in a headspace to take yeah. my life. And I'm so, so grateful, you know, it saved my life to pick yeah. up the phone or type this message or make a phone call. I've seen on previous guests that we've had on Matt Reynolds from Mindful Oz, you know, he does Facebook live chats, you know, where he talks to guests. And I think that was about two weeks ago that I saw someone put up a comment just saying, you know, thank you so much for this episode. You know, yeah. your story shared has helped save my life. I've seen another one there that they've said, you know, the information and the tool and you've given me the tools to, to go away and help my daughter, you know, that is really struggling that I've been, you know, I can have these honest conversations yeah, with yeah. knowing a little bit more. It's just creating those environments, you know. See, we, there's all this negative connotation about safe spaces and it's like, why is a safe space such an awful idea? You know, like, why is it such a terrible thought to have a place where someone can feel that they can talk about what's bothering them and someone will listen? Like, even if they don't have the answers for them, I, like, mm. I don't think a safe space is such a terrible thing. Like, no. uh, to, to me, Twitter is my safe space. I vent on Twitter, I talk on Twitter, and I get an overwhelmingly amount of positive messages all the time. I, I, I get the occasional shit message. I get told to stop using my kid for clout. I get told, you know, to shut the fuck up. Like, I, I'm no stranger to getting abusive messages from people who just have nothing else to do with their day than target other people who are they don't like or they have a problem with but to me twitter is a space my safe space and i where i can go and i can vent my frustrations and there are people that will listen to me so why is that such a terrible idea to have that kind of community like i i just i don't get the whole safe space argument i know there's people that don't know how to defend their arguments well and they tend to retreat to like you know name calling and insults and stereotypes but I also think that the concept of a safe space for people to talk about how they feel is a good thing. I don't see the problem with that. I'm in the same. Like, I think the, the biggest emphasis that I've got to say about the safe space is that safe place is anyone can create it. A safe place to me, like, I don't know whether everyone has their own sort of view as a safe place. But a safe place is a place where you can come in and talk to someone or a group of people without judgment, without being labelled, without any sort of negative connotation to it. It is a safe place where you can be open and honest, just like yeah. you were talking about with regards to um, the man shake with that yeah. area where people can be open and honest about their weight loss journeys, yeah. whether it's checkpoint in regards to, you know, their discord communities there and like whether it's Twitter and, and all these other communities that you have, whether it's, you know, the Megacast or 8-Bit or the, any of these groups, you know, wherever you find that there's a group of people, like-minded people where you can be open and honest, yeah. you know, the people that want to see you do well, people want to lift you and, and they want to lift because... Like we only talked about this before, like I think, you know, you as a content creator, you put yourself out there, you know, you are vulnerable and you yep. as a person, you're very honest. So I see that, you know, you want to tell your story to help others and you are helping others. You know, I see it. It's so important that you recognize that people are, are coming to you because you create that yeah. environment. And it like honesty and genuine openness resonates with a lot of people, with the ordinary everyday person. 100%. Yeah, I'm not a perfect person. I've made mistakes. I've done said stupid shit. Like, I don't ever pretend to be perfect. I am as genuinely flawed as any other human being. But I try, you know, and I try and be a good person to others. And, you know, probably sometimes I muck that up or get that wrong, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to stop trying. We all make mistakes. We all yeah. learn from mistakes. And you're certainly not alone. Like, hopefully these conversations that we're having tonight and, and Timmy, you sharing your stories, you know, I hope it resonates with other yeah, people. I do too. You know? Like, that's it. No, I, that's just it. It's like... I am a normal everyday human being who 
has the same fears, flaws, and, and some days just doesn't want to fucking get out of bed in the morning. And that's okay. Like, that's normal. That's fine. Yeah. You'd never be afraid to speak up about that. And we're all living different lives, you know. We're all we've all got our own pressures around there. It looks different to to different people, you know. And I say this, and I sound like a broken record, but just like be mindful of others, you know. Be be kind, like just small acts, you know, of kindness. Be kind because you don't know what the other person's going. <clears throat> yeah. Through. If there's one thing that is important to me about content creation, and the one thing that I hope that anyone who knows me takes away from from what I'm trying to put out into the world is that it's okay to talk about your failings. It's okay to talk about how you're feeling and it's okay to show how much you love your children. It's okay to show how much they mean to you. Displays of that, of fatherhood, motherhood, anything like that, don't ever be ashamed of them. Don't ever be ashamed to show the world the relationship you have with your children because it inspires others to have the same. That's the thing. That's the win that we're going for. You know, like we want kids to grow up healthy and happy, whether they're in a family with two mums or a family with two dads or a family with a mum and a dad or any family even if they're adopted like you want them to grow up realizing that the people around them love them and their parents love them and and they should be proud of that that's all i've ever wanted i said that well said well said <laughs> i'm gonna wrap this up the same way we entered in here i've got a little uh dragon ball z rapid quiz <laughs> oh here we go here we go mate let's go all right, so as I said, rapid fire quiz, mate. Let's just, uh, I've got you on the hot seat now. Ooh. I can see it. First one here. Questions. How many Dragon Balls are there in total? Number of Dragon Balls. Oh, there's seven Dragon Balls, but there's seven Namekian Dragon Balls as well. So. Oh, <laughs> You are a, uh, a massive fan. That's good. Which star Dragon Ball is Goku's favorite? Oh, uh, is it? No. Is it the one that he puts on Gohan's head? Is it a, a four-star Dragon Ball? I'm pretty it sure. It's a four-star yes, Dragon yeah, Ball. Yeah, yeah. Bonus points. Do you know why it's special? No, I don't actually. Oh, it's his, I'm pretty sure it's his grandfather's. Oh, his grandfather's. Yep, yep, yep. The next one. On what planet did Goku turn Super Saiyan for the first time? Uh, on Namek. This is the thing. <laughs> so I said Namek as well, and I had Nato Johnson from uh, A Plus Anime reach out to me when I put this on Instagram a little while back because he's a big anime fan. And he said, I think he said, he came back and he said, Earth, watch Lord Slug movie. Apparently I had to Google this. I'm like, look, you're messing with my childhood. Oh, wow. Look at here. And so like, I went and looked it back at this. So this Lord Slug movie, so it's Dragon Ball Z era. So he turns, it's called False Super Saiyan. Oh, so really? They, wow. Yeah, go check it out. Like it did my head in. Yeah. So I'm watching this video and I'm like, <laughs> right. So it looks like he's turning Super Saiyan. It's like a K.O. Ken Super Saiyan. He's yeah. Red, but he hasn't got any pupils. Yeah. So like he's almost, it's like he's almost there. Interesting. But it, it, it threw me out because King Kai actually says in that moment, he says, um, like he's looking at what's happening to Goku. You know, he's turning, he must be turning the legendary Super Saiyan. So oh. it actually states it. Wow. That, that's interesting. That's very interesting. But I always think that the, the movies throw the actual fucking timeline into disarray. I know. I know. But, like, yeah, like for me, yeah. For me, you, you got the answer right, mate. <laughs> yeah. For me, okay. Like, <laughs> yeah. The, the, it was on old, on old Namek. Yeah. with Freeza. That is the golden. Yeah. That is the golden. <laughs> so, okay. So the next one, what technique does Goku use to get from one place to another instantly? Instant transmission. Yeah, mate. Which okay, he learned on Yardrat. <laughs> well, well, well done. Good job. I know uh, I want to get into the manga. Uh, Elder Basic, who's been on the podcast before, he's a big Dragon Ball Z fan as well. He was talking about the mangas continued. Yeah. Apparently, like, not to do any spoilers, but Vegeta's there and he's studying. Under oh, wow. Yes, yeah, I actually, so, I have seen a picture of him in the Yardrat uniform, so. Have you? Yeah. I'm keen, yeah. To, I'm keen to jump in, but I, I don't know nothing else except for that. So take it for what you will. Vegeta had his tail cut off by which character in the Super Saiyan, in the Saiyan Sun? The Agerobi. 
Yes, he certainly did. Yeah. Cheeky bastard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sensu Beams, a grown by which character? Corrin. Yes, nice one. Yeah. I forgot that cat's name. <laughs> um, who do Goku and Vegeta become when they fuse by using the Hotora earrings? Ooh, um, this is this always does me up. One Vegito. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah well yeah. done. Yeah. So Gogeta comes from the fusion. Yes. I always sort of remember yeah, from yeah. Um, Gotenks. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so because yeah. obviously when they do because they got the stuff. jacket, yeah, that, that kind yeah, of really yeah, cool yeah. jacket. Yeah. Um, which one do you prefer, Vegeta uh, or Gogeta? Gogeta, Super Saiyan Blue Gogeta. Yeah, very cool. All right, last ones. Fill in the blanks, Vegeta. What does your scouter say about his power level? <laughs> it's over nine thousand. <laughs> yes, it did. I love it. Let me ask you: Does a machine like yourself ever experience fear? Yes. Yeah. All right. And last one. Fuck, you're killing this. It will take more than head games to stop me. You may have invaded my mind and my body, but there's one thing a Saiyan always keeps. His pride. Yes, he yeah. does. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, I love Vegeta. You do it. <laughs> well done, man. I love it. I love the series. Absolutely love it. Yeah. Thanks, hey. <laughs> I can tell that by all those statues in the back. I'm super jealous. I'm going to stick with my little- Just picked this little... one up the other day. Oh, nice one. Yeah. How that? It's amazing. That's sick. Let's talk about Gohan. Super yeah. Saiyan 2. Nah, that's awesome, mate. Mate, right. thank you so much for your time once it's, again. I really do appreciate your time coming on here and having a chat with me. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Experiences. Absolute but, pleasure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy we could do it, man. And, and as I said to you, like, hopefully the conversation we've had today can help someone else, you know, whether it's just creating awareness to themselves, maybe it's helping with their own, you know, personal battles and challenges at the moment. Maybe they are going through a separation. Maybe they are just looking for an outlet. Maybe they just need to have a conversation with someone. Yeah. Um, I just want to keep reinforcing this. I think it's so important. And, you know, whether it's, if it's not me, know that they resonate with if it's not another guest maybe it's yourself you know i just want to keep just talking you know yeah. just keep this dialogue the more we talk That's about it. it the less stigma we associate yep. with it and the more normal yeah. it becomes it's been an absolute pleasure thank you very much for having me hey guys thank you so much for listening to the episode i really hope you guys enjoyed it if you did please let tim and i know by reaching out to us on our socials i've included our social handles in the show notes section of this episode if you haven't done already, please make sure you check out our website, pushingthroughblue.com, for further information about the podcast, to access previous episodes we've done, for mental health service contact details, and also if you wanted to support the podcast by purchasing something from the store. All profits will be donated to Beyond Blue to help with the amazing work that the Beyond Blue organization does in creating awareness and offering professional mental health services to those who need it. Also, guys, if you haven't done so already, if you could leave a five-star review on the podcast listening service of choice you're listening to right now, that act of kindness is always greatly appreciated and helps us so much in creating awareness and attention to the podcast and the stories being shared. So please, thank you, guys. Until next time, guys, as always, much love. Take care of yourself and each other. I do not fear this new challenge. Rather, like a true warrior, I will rise to meet it.